Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and we're going to finish up Sardis, Sardis, the, the letter to Sardis. The, and the title for today is The Reformed Church, The Reformed Church, Revelations 3, 1 to 6. We've been picking on the Roman Catholics a lot the last couple of weeks, but now it's the Protestants' turn. So all you Roman Catholic followers, you're going to enjoy this because we're going to pick on the Protestants today. Uh, this is equal opportunity sermons. So uh, Sardis, Sardis uh, the Reformed Church, we could call, really should call it the almost Reformed Church. Or reformed but not revived church, as we're going to see. The, the Reformation, the, the Protestant Reformation was actually prophesied here in Revelation chapter 3. Now remember, Jesus is writing seven letters to seven actual churches. The application is to every church in every age. We can all see some, something of our churches in each of one of these letters. But there's also seven historical Phases. These are prophetic for seven historical phases of church history. Uh, what we could look, it's real prophetic. If you look at the chart here, thank you, Chicky. Uh, the chart here, which we're going to look at, we saw Ephesus was the z- zero to 100 A.D. the apostolic or New Testament church. Then we talked about Smyrna, 100 to 300 A.D. the persecuted church. Then we looked at uh, <clears throat> Pergamum, Pergamum three. <coughs> Pergamum 300 to 680, the spoiled church we talked about where Constantine took the Catholic Church and made it the Roman Catholic Church. Then we saw Thyatira, looking at the chart once again, 600 to 1500 AD, the paganized church. We talked about that last time. And now we come to 1520 to 1730, the Reformed Church. The Reformed Church. And now remember Sardis. Sardis, the primary meaning is remnant. That's the primary meaning of it. And that was the last sermon I did on this series. The Remnant Revival. And Sardis means remnant. And the Remnant Revival, you have to hear that one. So that's part of it. But also, it's not only remnant, but uh, church history, even as... Uh, Sardis also means the escaping ones. The escaping ones. Now let me go back to remnant. In church history, even as the Roman Catholic Church got off track, it went from Catholic to Roman Catholic Church, it got off track, there still was always a true remnant. A true remnant. And the secondary meaning for Sardis is escaping ones. Those who come out. And the remnant, much of that remnant, made their escape with the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. And we'll see that that remnant makes their escape. So you see two meanings, remnant and the escaping ones, and you can connect the dots to the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. But we're also going to see, now don't, uh, we're also going to see that there's a big difference between being reformed and revived. A big difference. What starts out spiritual will morph into a political movement with the Reformation. And the end result will be a church just as, with just as many problems as the one that they left. And in fact, even today, now looking all the way forward today, I would say bigger problems than the Roman Catholic Church. The, 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 the Lutheran, the Protestant, what we're going to see is, is just as big a problems, if not bigger problems, than the very church it was supposedly reformed and moved out of. All right, let's, let's read it first of all. Let's pray. Father, just pray as we look at here, Revelation, Three, Lord, that we pray that our eyes would be open, our ears would be open, we would take to heart what is written in it, and we would learn 
And we would learn that Reformation is not enough. There has to be revival. Whether we're Roman Catholic, whether we're Protestant, doesn't matter. We need revival. Revival, Father. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the passage. The church of the church in Sardis, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Remember that one? <coughs> Keep that in mind. <coughs> Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die for... I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes like them will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this, once again, is the Reformation, first, uh, 1517 to 1730. Now, we already talked about how the Catholic Church evolved into the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, we already talked about how the apostasy crept into Constantine and in, in, in the pagan religions. By 1500 AD, it was really, really bad. And there were many rumblings all throughout this whole time. Uh, there were many rumblings during that time, attempts at reform. It didn't just start with Martin Luther, who said, you know, who just shows up and sparks the Reformation. It didn't just happen. There were many true Christians in the Roman Catholic Church through this whole time. There was a godly remnant, many godly critics over the years. In fact, I was just reading one of David Jeremiah's books, uh, The Handwriting on the Wall. He talked about the Antichrist, and, and he says, before the Protestant Reformation, <clears throat> most accepted the idea that the Antichrist was the Catholic Pope. <laughs> Way before the, the, the Reformation, the Pope was often seen as the Antichrist or a type of the Antichrist. St. Bernard in the 12th century called Pope Anacletus the Antichrist. In the 13th century, Frederick II, ruler of the Holy Roman Empire, accused Pope Gregory IX of being the Antichrist. Uh, Catholics who had fallen out of favor with the uh, papal regime at this time commonly called the Pope the Antichrist. They saw that, that was, he was a type of it at least. Not only distinguished Catholics, some of the most responsible Protestant scholars and theologians were convinced that the Antichrist was living in Rome disguised as the Pope. Martin Luther, uh, uh, Philip Melanchthon, uh, John Kelvin, uh, uh, Zwingli, Tyndale, uh, over and over, many, many Catholics and Protestants have seen the Pope as the Antichrist. Now, we know he's not the Antichrist. He's going to be working with the Antichrist. You read the book of Revelation, wait till we get there. There's going to be an apostate Pope that's going to work together with the Antichrist. The Antichrist, so that's going to be the religious part of it, is the, is the, 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 the revived Roman Empire with, the, with, the, with the, the, this paganized church melding all the world religions together. Very likely there will be an apostate pope overseeing that. A lot of my strong Bible-believing Roman Catholic friends believe this present-day pope is that guy. They see he's definitely a type of it. This guy is very apostate right now. But uh, anywho, um, there... The, the church was a mess 
The church had reached a paganized mess by this time and enter Martin Luther, an obscure priest, an Augustinian monk. He was Roman Catholic through and through. And although he was a priest, he had no assurance of salvation because Roman Catholics weren't and still aren't allowed to have that assurance even though the Bible says very clearly 1 John 5.13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So to say that you're, you can't have assurance is direct contradiction of Scripture. And Martin Luther was living out the agony of this. The harder he worked for his salvation, the more miserable he becomes. He visits Rome and he sees the light. No, he sees a mess. He couldn't believe this was the holy city. He sees a mess. He was disillusioned. It was a complete debauchery. He uh, was disillusioned as many Roman Catholics at that time were very disillusioned. That's why the Reformation spread so quickly when it finally happened. There was indulgences. The Pope wanted to build St. Peter's, so he would he wanted he had to raise money through indulgences that you could pay to get people out of purgatory. Purgatory is not in the Bible, and getting out of it with money is not in the Bible. Ooh, no, 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 false teaching, very dangerous. Martin Luther is studying the, uh, the Bible, and none of it matches up with what he's seeing. And he finally takes 95 theses, and he nails them to the Wittenberg door, the castle's church. He nails it to the door. He does not want to uh, leave the Catholic Church. He's just trying to bring reformation. That was his whole goal. But the end result is he's expelled. He's expelled from the Roman Catholic Church, and it's and it ends up sparking a brand new movement, the protest, the Protestants, and the reform, the reformation, the Protestant reformation. <clears throat> now, there are three foundations, and some of your, my Catholic friends are watching and saying, wait, what, what? I thought this was against Protestants. Hang on, just hang on, we're going to get there. There are three foundations of the Refor reformation movement. The authority of Scripture is the first thing. Very, This is the most important thing, that the Bible is the authority, not the Pope and tradition. The Bible is the final authority. Uh, the, the Word of God takes precedent over all. And this set people free to study their Bibles and to read their Bibles. This was the whole key to the Reformation, was, was the Bible. And it spread fastest in the areas where people had the Bible in their own native language because they could see the difference between what they were being taught in church and what they were reading in the Bible. And they said... Got to go with the Bible. Got to go with God's Word, right? The second very important thing that came out of the Reformation was justification by faith, not works. Now, you say, well, that's pretty basic, right? Well, it wasn't because over all those years, the, the paganized teaching was you're saved by works and not faith. But but the, the Reformation saw this as a return to St. Augustine and the Apostle Paul and the Bible. Uh, Romans 1.17 uh, 116, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed that is, no, I'm blurring them. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for in the gospel, for in, I got a mental block, I have this memorized for so long, for in the gospel a righteousness, oh, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed that is by faith from first to last. Faith, the righteousness, salvation is by faith from first to last. Romans one seventeen, and and so they saw this as return to faith over works. They denied transubstantiation. The Roman Catholic teaching was that you had to take the the, the mass for salvation. That started in twelve hundred A.D. It was an innovation by. 
a, a, a pope who wasn't very solid here. That's an innovation. But no, the Bible teaches that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. You can't get any more clear than that. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him Shall, uh, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, there's nothing about the man. Over, over and over, verses. Faith, 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 faith. Not works, faith. Nothing about the math. It, it, you were saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with taking communion. Communion is very important. It's remembering what Jesus did. He gave his body and his blood. Very special, holy moment. The Holy Spirit's all over it. But it's not for salvation. Not for salvation. No, we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. So justification by faith. Uh, authority of Scripture, justification by faith. And then the last one is the priesthood of all believers, which the Bible teaches very clearly. First Peter, Second Peter. Um, verses that priests had this special access to God and but no 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 the bible says there's one mediator between god and men and that is jesus christ alone we don't need priests priests are very important they're they're pastors they shepherd the flock a lot of godly priests out there and godly pastors out there that's our job is the pastor of the flock but we don't mediate between god and men no 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 jesus does that we just point people to, to jesus so that we people will go to jesus to to connect with god the father that's our job so the reformation Three, authority scripture, justification by faith, and priesthood of all believers catches fire. And it's taken up by Calvin and Zwingli, and it sweeps much of Europe. But, like Sardis, it had a good reputation, but it ended up spiritually dead. That's right. I'm coming for you Protestants now. <laughs> it, it, it had a great reputation, but spiritually dead. The rep. The Reformation gets off track in two vital areas. It got off track politically. It started out spiritual based on the Bible and Scripture. Awesome. But then a lot of kings and nations saw and rulers saw the chance to break the power of the Roman Catholic Church. Well, it had become completely political at this time. They saw the chance to break that. So they joined the Reformation just to, to break the power of the Catholic Church over their countries. And, and over time, it, it was terrible what happened. The Lutheran Church ends up becoming the German state church. And over time, you no longer had to be born again. If you were born a German, you were a Christian. You didn't have to be born again. You're born, you're born as a German and you're Lutheran, you're a Christian. And, and the Lutheran church just got so far off base and now we see what it is today. It's apostate, completely apostate. There are some godly groups, Missouri Synod Lutheran. You can't find better Bible believing Christians than the Missouri Synod. But, but the vast majority of the Lutheran church is apostate. Very, very sad. Uh, all the politics got involved, not just Lutherans, but lots of other churches that we call mainline churches now. Henry VIII. He wants a new wife. He's the king of England. He wants a new wife. Uh, and the Pope says no, not because he had a spiritual reason, but for political reasons, he said no. And King Henry said, that's not fair. You have more than one wife. He's talking to the Pope, right? Which they did. Uh, so he breaks away and he, he forms the Church of England, which became Anglican, which we now know as Episcopalian. We know where that has gone. There was some good over time, a lot of good things. There were some revivals. George Whitfield came through the Anglican Church, 
But the end result is that the Episcopal Church has become a mirror image of the Roman Catholic Church, and it's much worse. I have way more in common with my Roman with Roman Catholics than I do Episcopalians. There are some strong Episcopalians, but they've been thrown out of their buildings and they're meeting in schools now because they've been kicked out. Uh, they, you know, they, they've had to join other groups in other countries to be under their headship and because the, the Episcopal Church in the U.S. is no longer Christian. The vat, 99% of it is no longer Christian. They're false teachers. Uh, I have way more in, in common. At least my Roman Catholic brothers, uh, first of all, there's a lot more born-again Christians in the Roman Catholic Church. We know 30%. I would say Episcopalians, 2%. You know, uh, but but the also the, Roman, the Catholics know that are born is wrong. The Episcopalians support it. I mean, really? Uh, the, the, the Episcopalians support homosexuality. The Roman Catholics still teach sexual sin. You know, and so I have way more in common with my Roman Catholic uh, friends than I do with any Episcopalians, except for there's a couple solid ones that are part of the remnant in the Episcopalian movement. But like I said, they've been kicked out of their buildings, most of them by now. Uh, they've, been, they've been persecuted by their own church. So, <clears throat> politically, Politically, the, the Reformation got way off base. It's important warning for Christians in the USA today. Politics are tricky. Politics are tricky. On the one hand, we live in a democracy. We're called to prayerfully vote and impact our culture. Very important. And there's a lot of godly men that are, are politicians. You know, it's awesome. They're trying to impact the culture that way. But it's important that we as a church don't get embedded in politics and because they oftentimes they'll use us. They'll use us, right? Very important that we don't just let get embedded and be used. Our role should be as salt and light. Salt and light and a prophetic voice pushing what the, the politics toward God's word. That's our job is this prophetic. So they got off base politically. I already shared about that. They also got off base spiritually. <coughs> off base spiritually. They attempted to reform the Roman... They attempted to just reform Roman Catholicism and they ended up just as... with the same problems that they were supposed to reform and in in many ways even worse. They had a good reputation, the Reformation, a great reputation, but it ended up spiritually dead in many ways. One thing they did is they held on to a lot of the Roman Catholic traditions, which resulted in a fragmentation. Many saw, wait, wait, you said this this isn't in the Bible. Why are you hanging on to that? Luther, crazy. Some of the stuff he held on and, and beat people up over baptism. You know, he just got he just got crazy. Baptism is very clear. Believe and be baptized. And in the Bible it's always immersed underwater, out of the water. Romans 6, it's a picture of our salvation, dying to our old self, coming alive. You can't get any more clear. Baptism is one of those gimmies. It's not even something we should even discuss. Believer baptism by immersion. There's there's no justification for any other type of, of baptism, right? But but still, Luther and others held on to the infant baptism and they called it the new circumcision and they come up with this whole new theology. It's a bunch of... Well, well, we'll go there. Uh, I grew up on a farm. You can imagine what I was thinking. So the it was crazy. There, but there even during the Reformation, though, the Word of God, there was a huge movement, the Anabaptist movement. It was really a huge evangelical revival that you must be born again. You can't be confirmed for salvation. You have to be born again. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And that baptism was believer baptism. They put people underwater. They came out and they stressed holiness. None of this, you know, fake, you know 
stuff, but you had to be holy. You had to prove you were were really a Christian by your your faith had to had to to, to work. <laughs> yeah, you were saved by faith, not works, but it's a faith that does work. And and, and they had to see that. And they also preached separation of church and. State. They, the way that it was originally intended, even in the USA, the USA was never meant, meant to separate Christianity from the state, but the, 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 the government couldn't affirm or favor one Christian denomination. We should be able to impact our country, but it, we can't be tied to one denomination like you see in Germany, Lutheran, you know, that kind of thing. So, the ref- but the, the Anabaptist movement was huge. Salvation by faith, baptism, believer baptism, and, and, but the reformers didn't like these Anabaptists, even though they were being the biblical ones. They persecuted the, the Baptists. It's shocking. Now, I know some of the Baptists got off track and some were wacky. But as a whole, the movement was very biblical and a lot of good stuff. They persecuted them. They actually executed the parents. They executed the parents. They drowned. You believe in baptism? They would put them in a sack full of rocks and drown these Christian Baptists in the river. This was the Reformers. Not the Catholics burning them at stake. That's been going on for many years at this point. But the reformers ended up drowning them. So here, here, the, here these evangelicals are. They're being persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church already with fire. And now they're being drowned by the, by the, the, the Protestants. They had caught in the middle. They had nowhere to go. Which is why they ultimately ended up right here. In the United States. That's right. That's why they ended up in the U.S. The pilgrims, the pilgrims were part of the huge Baptist movement. There was Mennonites. You know, you know what's going on in Pennsylvania with the Mennonites. You know, huge uh, groups. The Southern Baptists were birthed out of this. The Southern Baptists is the largest denomination in the USA today. Starting to slip a little. Southern Baptists, wake up, wake up. I'm not talking about getting woke. I'm talking about waking up. Yeah, there's a big difference. Uh, but but the but it all came out, out of this this movement of getting you know persecuted, being caught between two pincers, the, the Roman Catholic and the Protestant Reformate Reformation, and and the pincers and and the many of these people ended up in the USA because of the persecution. In fact, the pilgrim history is all about that. If you look at the pilgrim history and you really study it, you'll see that's why they ended up here. And many followed here. It was because of that persecution. Uh, And speaking of the pilgrims, uh, my family tree. We actually have a book and got the whole family tree. William Bradford was one of my great, 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 great grandpas. And also, not only him, but we just recently got the full report from my cousin, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Rosso. And he was just telling us that there were 12, we have 12 grandparents on the Mayflower. That's right, 12 grandparents in our family line. The legacy. What a legacy. But that's why they left. They bringing the word of God and, and, and escaping the persecution and the word of God. And that's a lot of the persecution was coming from the so-called reformed churches. Crazy, right? So this reformation is happening. The Roman Catholic Church panics. 
They've lost, they're losing power. They start a counter-reformation. They tried to start reforming within the Catholic Church. Now they saw what was going on. They had the Council of Trent. They clean up a lot of the mess. They, they start to bring in the holiness. They, a lot of the, a lot of good things came about through the counter-reformation. But the problem is it was still a work salvation. They didn't go far enough. It was still a work salvation. And also, uh, then they, they didn't get, win everybody back. So they launched a lot of military attacks. They took advantage of the Protestants being disunity with the Protestants. And they won a lot of military battles initially they won a lot of battle battles they burned bibles they went through and took the bibles that people were reading and they burned them ouch Mm-mm, that's not good uh and they also burned the people who had been translating them into the native language Wycliffe and Huss burned at the stake unbelievable the inquisition at this time gained a lot of momentum the reign of terror which lasted several hundred years started here pope Paul IV said, I'd burn my own father if he was a heretic. This is the mentality of, of what happened. And so you have these, those who believe the Bible, want to follow the Bible, are caught between the Roman Catholic burning and, and the Reform, Reformation drownings. And that's why so many of them ended up in this new world and, and the, the spiritual heritage that we have here. The effects of the Reformation, though, are still with us today. They're still with us today. Some is good. The good is that they stress the word and salvation by faith. Awesome. Open massive doors, right? But, but, <clears throat> the effect is, just like with Sardis, they were dead. He said, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And that's the Reformed Church today. Europe today, the state churches, which they, they taught, make people pay taxes so they can give the money to the church, they're, they're dead. Europe is spiritually dead. They're, they're born Christians. They think they're all Christians. They're born Christians, but they're not born again in these Reformed churches. In these Protestant churches, in the USA, I already talked about what's like the mainline churches that are birthed from these these Reformation are dead. It's 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 unbelievable. You read what they're fighting about in these churches, and you say, why are they even discussing these things? They're dead. They become far worse than the Roman Catholic churches that you're supposed to reform. And like I said, I have more in common with 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 my Roman Catholic friends than I do with these apostate. Reformed churches. It's unbelievable. It's just, it's just un- unbelievable. Thank God God is starting to divide. He's starting to divide Re- Revelation 3, 4. Yet you have a few that are still alive, haven't soiled their clothes. Uh, there's still a remnant within the Reformation churches. I think of what just is happening in, in the United Methodist Church. I have friends who are in the, re- the revival movement in the United Methodist Church. They're splitting. They're going to break apart. And they should. For unity. What kind of unity is unifying with people who don't even believe the Bible? They reject Jesus Christ. They reject salvation by faith. These are fakes. They're frauds. And thank God that the, the United Methodist Church is finally going to divide and there's going to be a, an apostate group that will dissolve and disappear in a short time, trust me. And then you're going to have the Bible-believing United Methodists where they would actually, John Wesley and Charles Wesley would actually be welcomed in those churches. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, God has saved a remnant. It saved a remnant and that they're going to carry on and carry on the gospel. And I'm, I'm just thrilled to see that. Important lesson here for us though as individuals and as churches. A very important lesson is we don't need reformation. We need revival. 
We need revival. And there's a remnant in the USA today, in the church, in the Roman Catholic churches, and in the Protestant churches, and in the evangelical churches. There's still a remnant. It's not the majority. There's a remnant, but we need revival. We need revival. And if, and the, the very first, most important thing is you have to take the first step to revival. If you're spiritually dead, have you ever been born again? Have you ever woke up spiritually? Have you ever been born spiritually through faith? Not works. Through faith, not works. Have you ever been born again? John 3, 3. This is the first step to revival is, is you have to come alive. In John chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Born again. You should, verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. How are we born again? John 3.16, for God so loved the world. A few verses later, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that now because we're going to pray right now. Father, we just, I just, we just pray that your spirit would speak to us. Whatever our spiritual background is, that we wouldn't hold on to that, but we would hold on to the Word. We would hold on to the Word of God. Salvation by faith in Jesus. Maybe you're listening to this right now as we're praying and you realize that you have never been born again. You thought you were born a Christian or you were confirmed or you jumped through religious hoops, but you realize that you've never been born again. Jesus said you must be born again. (coughs) There's only one way, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in him, putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Right where you are, wherever you are hearing this, watching this, You can do that now. You can be born spiritually, born again right now. The prayer of faith, God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life. I I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin, to pay the price, pay the penalty. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. I want to be born again. I want to be born spiritually. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. You have become a new creation. You're no longer the same. You will never be the same again because the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. You can now talk to God as your Father. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You can communicate with God as your Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. You have a brand new life. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Tell somebody about it. For the rest of us, Maybe we've been born again, but but are we revived? Are we experiencing continuous revival in our life? Do we have a reputation of being spiritual and alive, but but deep down we know, and more importantly, God knows we're really dead spiritually? How is God speaking to us? As our prayer, God, please revive me. I want to be close to you. I want to be on fire for you. I want to be alive spiritually. That's a prayer God will honor. 
then put on your seatbelts because you don't know how he's going to revive you. <laughs> Father, I pray that every one of us would experience not reformation, but revival through true faith in Christ and truly living by our faith in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we finished up Sardis and we'll be moving on to Philadelphia, uh, where, where we live. We'll be moving to Philadelphia next, okay? God bless.